Welcome to the Biz Times MKE podcast. I'm Arthur Thomas, managing editor at Biz Times Media, and I'm joined on the Biz Times MKE podcast by Biz Times editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, are you staying warm? I think is the important question. Uh, well, I'm indoors, so <laughs> yes, I, I would say so. I'm trying to avoid going outside right now. Let the dog out and the man should come back in immediately. <laughs> and got to hit the road here soon to get to my in-laws for Christmas. So we'll be braving it uh, shortly. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're, otherwise we're more or less ready for Christmas. But boy, it's uh, it's nasty out there right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, it. That cold, it, it hits different. So, well... We'll uh, we'll get to the uh, our big story of the week kind of right off the bat here. Um, every year, uh, Andrew puts together a list of the biggest stories of the year and publishes that right uh, right before New Year's Eve. Um, that's kind on of New right. Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, that's the last mm-hmm. the last post of the year every year on BizTimes.com. Um, so Andrew's working on putting that list together. We don't have the final list, but we've got a preview of sorts for podcast listeners of maybe what are some of the uh, the biggest stories of the year and what are maybe some underappreciated big stories of the year. So let's start with the first piece there, Andrew. Biggest stories of the year, in your view, what do you think is going to be kind of tops of the list uh, for 2022? So. What jumps to mind right away, I guess, not surprising, I think the the RNC, the fact that Milwaukee will host the Republican National Convention in 2024. Um, I Like you said, I haven't totally finalized my list, but that sure looks like that's probably going to be at the top of it as the story of the year. Um, and it's really an extraordinary sort of journey to get to this point. I mean, I, I I never thought Milwaukee would host a national political convention. I, I thought we, that was something that a city of our size never would do. Didn't feel we could pull it off. Didn't feel we would even be considered. The fact that we were able to get the DNC for 2020, which was a combination of you had a new arena, you had Bucks owners that were politically connected to the Democrats. You had a Democrat National Committee chairman who was from Wisconsin. You know, all these things, and, and Wisconsin being a swing state, and the Democrats needing to kind of win Wisconsin and the Midwest back. All these things sort of came together, and Wisconsin got the 2020 DNC, and boy, that was supposed to be the biggest thing, the biggest event in Milwaukee's history, and then it turned out, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, it turned out to be a total bust. A convention that became almost entirely virtual. So basically, no one came. So the the huge economic impact, the huge spotlight of the nation and the world that we were expected to get from hosting that event didn't happen. And it was just so extraordinarily disappointing. I was like, what a missed opportunity. And I know there was some hope of, well, maybe the Democrats would come back four years later and give us another crack at it. But then an opportunity emerged for Milwaukee to bid on the Republican convention in 2024. And 
And Milwaukee officials, you know, from the mayor's office, visit Milwaukee with Peggy Williams-Smith, Republicans, and and a lot of other people, a huge list of people involved, um, decided to go for it. So let's let's go for this. Let's try to get, we got the DNC, let's try to get the RNC. And again, it seems like crazy to think we could pull that off. But I think getting the DNC and preparing to host the DNC really helped Milwaukee in its bid because they were able to show uh, the RNC that Milwaukee was ready for this. And so we got it. And that will be a very, very, as to me, likely the story of the year. And it's going to be a huge deal running up to that event. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the fact, again, like you said, landing a major national political convention did not seem like something that was in the cards for Milwaukee. If we back up, you know, was that four, four or so years ago? Yeah. You know, what it seemed outrageous. Um, so definitely a huge, huge deal to, to land it, you know, probably should be encouraging for um, any city leaders to think about when when they have big dreams of what might be possible to go for them, you know, I mean, we have yeah. a, we have maybe some Midwestern modesty or, or this, you know, maybe this, 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 uh, this, you know, kind of selling ourselves short in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to get beyond that to, uh, to really, you know, get to where we think we want to go. So uh, how about number two on your list? What do you, what's, What's uh, maybe the betting favorite to come in number two? Yeah, uh, Again, together? it's not finalized, but what's sticking out in my mind right now is, and we've talked about, it's Coles. We've talked about Coles, I don't know how many times this year on this podcast. Coles was a huge story this year on a number of ways. Um, going back a year or more of an of a, of a fight with activist investors dissatisfied with the company's performance dissatisfied with the stock price trying to you know them fighting with the company's leadership over well let's get some new faces on the board let's change the board let's change the direction of the company let's there were pushes to change leadership there was a huge push to sell the company in fact Coles entered in negotiations for a possible sale. Um, Though it never seemed like to me that Coles leadership had any desire to change direction to sell the company. I assume they were going through the motions to satisfy these activist investors. They had, though, a plan that they wanted to stay the course with. But... um, and they weathered all those storms. They ended up not signing the company. The, the, the incumbent board stayed in place. Um, but after weathering all those storms, before the end of the year, you had the CEO, Michelle Goss, decide, you know what? I've had enough of this. I have an opportunity to go to Levi's in San Francisco and get a fresh start. And so she's taken that opportunity. So now it's going to be really interesting to see um, – what direction Coles goes with the new CEO? Who will that be? What direction will they take the company? Will there be any any change in direction? I mean, again, you've still got the same board. 
So it would be surprising to me if they got someone who really wanted to do things differently than what Coles has been doing. Um, and that includes, by the way, plans to open smaller stores, including another big thing that happened this year was they announced plans to open a store in downtown Milwaukee. So does all that remain status quo? We shall see. We shall, we shall see who the new CEO is. But I'd be surprised if this board decided to go in a dramatic, to go with someone who would take the company in a dramatically different direction. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, there's so much with Coles and, and if we just go with the first half of the year, it's kind of a deja vu from the first part of the, uh, the fight with the activist investors, Mm -hmm. but then you throw in the downtown store, you throw in uh, Michelle Goss leaving all of that. But just, I mean, give it the size of the company as a retail company. They're an interesting follow um, for, you know, where are things going? Because retail is a, a space that's so disrupted. And we, we joke about being ready for Christmas and all that. I was just, you know, texting with my wife of trying to figure out whether we sent a gift via Amazon to somewhere, if it was delivered to us or, you know, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um it's that the whole world is is rapidly evolving. So, um, yeah, like you said, who the new CEO is probably determines a lot of where things go. Um, but uh, we'll see if that is on the same general trajectory that they've been on. Uh, so that's the two top kind of big stories of the year. Um what in your mind, so we're putting a list together like this, it's hard for any story to really be an underrated story or underappreciated story. These are the the biggest stories of the mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there are the biggest stories and there are the ones that are, you know, were big, but maybe are not fully appreciated for what they might could mean in the future or don't quite, you know, continually come up over and over again or things like that. Mm-hmm. So... What are maybe a few of the stories in your mind that are somewhat under the radar, let's call it, for for 2022? Well, one that jumps to mind in that category immediately is a huge story that that we broke early in the year. I I broke this story and with a lot of help from you um, as well, by the way, um, the fact that Intel, which made a huge announcement that they were going to build a massive uh, semiconductor chip plant in the Columbus, Ohio area. A gigantic investment, a massive number of jobs, a a huge amount of uh, capital expenditure there. Our story reported that basically that the Milwaukee area, and specifically the Foxconn site, in Mount Pleasant was the bridesmaid in this deal was quote unquote second place that, that, that we were in the running for this, for this deal, this development. Um, and we came up short. We were the second pick to Columbus, Ohio, which of course there is no silver medal here in economic development. You either it's, you win it or you get nothing. So there's no, there's no good feeling about being in second place, but it was nevertheless very interesting to find out that there was a huge 
effort that went into trying to get that. And it's sort of a devastating thing to think about how close we were to what would truly have been a game-changing economic development project for southeastern Wisconsin. Truly game-changing that it could have been. And to miss that opportunity is, it hurts. Um, On the other hand, your local economic development officials were hoping that that was a sign that the Foxconn site, despite obviously being disappointing so far and the lack of development there on on the part of Foxconn, that that site, because of its location, because of the infrastructure that's been set up there, that's a very attractive site and could attract, well, if we're that close to getting intel, there must be some other major economic development opportunity that's going to come down the pike that we we will land. Um, and I know they continue to work on that and have had some interest, but as of today, they have not uh, attracted anyone. So that that effort uh, continues, I guess, and we'll see if it ever comes together. Yeah, I mean, we when we were reporting on that and sounded like, you know, not only was there Intel, but there were there were other big ship investments obviously the semiconductor shortage issues that have been hampering supply chains in all different ways um have led yeah. to a lot of interest in in you know making more semiconductors Absolutely. here in the US um and so you know there was some talk of maybe there's some other projects that could could end up um in Mount Pleasant None of that's this you know other projects have been announced, obviously, like we said, none of that has come um to the site. I think it's you know one of those you really hope that that Mount Pleasant officials that the folks at Milwaukee seven the state frankly um, continue to work towards some kind of catalytic game changing type project there. And don't decide that, well, we've put the infrastructure in place, we've ready the land, we'll take development in whatever shape it comes. You know, you you wouldn't want to see more distribution centers on you know that that site, some sort of project that that really changes the game for Southeastern Wisconsin, considering all that's been put in to that. Um, you would hope that it it comes down to something that's really gonna move the needle, not just put four walls and a roof up. Yeah, I, I I get the sense that they do see it that way, and you know, as, as you point out, there's been a lot of development in this this I ninety four corridor between Milwaukee and Chicago, and it's been predominantly, you know, um warehouse distribution type facilities, which are fine, but aren't by any means, you know, economic game changers. It creates some tax base. It creates some, but not a lot of jobs. It creates something. Um, and all that's fine. But, you know, like you say, everything that's been done, um, you know, acquiring all this land, putting in infrastructure, you know, f- forcing people to move, uh, you know, using eminent domain to get people to have to move out of that site to create it. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot that's gone into this. And if, if, if the payoff isn't significant, 
it's not going to have been worth it. And there are so many places that there, there's no shortage of sites still to put up more distribution centers. And, and that will continue to occur in that corridor and elsewhere. And that's, and that's all good. But this is an opportunity for something really big. And I think it's a site, you know, one of the things that was told to me when we reported this project on this situation was this site gave economic development officials something they had never had before locally a site that they could pitch to a company, a huge shovel-ready site like this, massive size, the infrastructure's in place, like everything's ready. That was something they never had before. So now that they have it, they need to, to you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of the ticket they have to try to bid on these big economic development projects. And they need to keep, they need to keep swinging. They need to keep swinging until they hit one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about other under the radar stories uh, for you in 2022? Well, another one that's not nearly as under the radar, but um, you know, kind of similar area. Back to that I-94 corridor between Milwaukee and Chicago. Um, well, let's talk about the Kenosha Casino project that's resurfaced, and this was a story that when it first came out, there was a lot of attention to it. Um, but then it sort of got quiet again. Um, but of course, it's 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 a sort of another long running saga where you had the Menominee tribe years ago trying to build a off reservation casino, get get getting approval. A length there's a lengthy approval, very lengthy approval process to do that to get a site um, that the federal government has to approve. Years ago, they were trying to get um, the former Dairyland Greyhound Park site in Kenosha to be something that they could turn into a casino com- casino and entertainment complex, you know, hotel and entertainment complex and retail and all that. Um, they had partnered with Hard Rock International, you know, as in Hard Rock Cafes, Hard Rock Hotels, which is owned by another tribe, the Seminole Tribe. Um, and they had gone through every step of the process to get that done until then governor Scott Walker, uh, rejected it, you know, to the, to get that, to get a casino approved on an off reservation site. Um, now you need the federal government's approval, but you need the, the state's governor to approve it. And at that time, Walker decided, no, he didn't want to approve it. Uh, that he had, he said he had serious concerns about the state's existing compacts, particularly with the Potawatomi that gave Potawatomi exclusivity to the southeastern Wisconsin area and felt that there would be big legal trouble and that it would open up problems with the state's deal with the Potawatomi. Um, so, you know, now here we are years later, we have a new governor, we have a different governor. Um, we just got through, a, he managed to get reelected and now the Menominee is trying again in Kenosha, again, partnering with Hard Rock, but this is a different site now, um, along the West side of I-94. Um, and since then there were some, there have been some changes to the state's deals with, the uh, other tribes, or I guess the Potawatomi specifically, that gives it some more flexibility, or at least there was 
there was a legal opinion that said the state would not be in uh, in the same amount of legal concern um, if it approved a, a casino in Kenosha. So, I mean, the Potawatomi is still opposes that. The Potawatomi does still sees it differently. Um, but that's sort of the landscape that now is out there. So you have a potentially huge economic development project in Kenosha. Um, but you also have what is just beginning to be another lengthy approval process, although it might go quicker this time, since it's kind of like you're trying to get the same project approved, just a slightly different location. But you're also looking at another nasty political fight uh, between two different uh, Wisconsin tribes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, the, the, how this plays out over the next year is one part of, you know, why this is kind of one of those, mm-hmm. not under the radar, but like you said, it got plenty of attention when it was announced, but uh, this is one of those, we're going to hear more on this front um, hmm. in 2023. And, you know, if it comes to pass, I think it's a really interesting thing for just kind of a different type of development taking place in that I-94 corridor as the Chicago region and Milwaukee region kind of grow closer together and that area fills in, um, you know, in some ways it's kind of exciting the prospect of seeing some different kind of development that's taking place right along there um, in in bringing the regions closer together and um, something like that's not, as we were talking about with the Foxconn story, another distribution center, another four walls and a roof, um, which by all means have their place. But, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's the Haribo project, which is right along 94 is, is almost remarkable for it being, you know, just a little bit different. It's, you know, um, a, a gummy bear factory instead of just a purely a distribution facility. Um, right. no, you've, so, you've, had, you've had so many warehouse distribution facilities in that quarter, just so many, so many. And yeah, this would be, uh, as you mentioned, this would be a different thing. You mentioned Haribo. That's different because that's actually manufacturing. You know, you haven't really seen like office development in that corridor, really other than the U-Line headquarters and, you know, the expansion of that headquarters. You've, you've seen warehouse distribution, but you haven't really seen office. You've seen some retail, um, like the Highway 50 corridor down there has got a lot of like chain retail, chain restaurants, um, and a little bit of others, but not a lot. It's not like a massive amount of retail. So, yeah, and certainly not a lot of like entertainment. This, this would be an entertainment destination. So it's something different. And it, I think it, it could be the beginning of a maturing of that market that moves beyond just, uh, the warehouse distribution thing and, and brings in more diverse uh, land uses and my, more diverse, diverse collection of business uh, business activity, and it'll just foster a maturing of that that marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, stories, we'll hear about in 2023, the Haribo project. Uh, finally, at long last, I believe, going to finally get uh, production up and running and and really be uh, going in earnest, which I was actually announced before Foxconn, which is uh, yeah. 
always an interesting thing to remember. Um, one of those yeah, projects. Tells you how long it's been in the in the works. Yeah, definitely. So, well, we'll uh, leave it there for this week on the weekly debrief. Um, your full list will be out on. Uh, will be New Year's Eve, right? It'll be the the thirtieth. Um, end of next week. Um, folks can can check that out and uh, yeah, see the full list. See if you you held to the top two you you mentioned to start, or uh, maybe change your mind. Who knows? And who knows? We got a whole week left in the year. Right? Who knows maybe what could happen? Big is going to happen. That's why I wait. That's why I don't do this list. Some of these people do these lists. And it's like the year isn't quite over with. You don't know. The biggest story of the year might happen on December 29th. Mm -hmm. So I got to wait till the last day to fully report on what are the truly the biggest stories of the year. So I I wait till the very end. Absolutely. Well, I'll be looking forward to checking it out. Hope everyone else does as well. Uh, Until then, uh, safe travels to you as you're heading out uh, to your in-laws and safe travels to anyone else who's uh moving around the either metro milwaukee or midwest or who knows where else uh and merry christmas to everyone and we'll uh we'll talk to you on the weekly debrief in 2023 absolutely merry christmas everybody this is dan meyer with biz times media you've been listening to the biz times mke podcast For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.